You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have a fun episode for you this week as we are going to talk about season one of Black Lightning. But before we get into that, let's meet our cast for this week. So, first up, you know him as the podcasting gamer. He is the guy that you can always have on the rocks, and that is my buddy James. How are you doing, James? Good. Good. And what are we drinking today, James? I am currently drinking a Lagavulin 16-year scotch. Mmm. I lotte. Sounds good. <laughs> it is. I like it a lot. It's uh, it's the very popular drink of my spirit animal, which is... Um, um, oh, now I can't remember his name. <laughs> the character Swanson. name. Ron Swanson. Yeah, there we oh, go. Okay. There we go. I got your back. <laughs> cool. Yes. So, so describe the flavor of this one to me. So this one, uh, the flavor is kind. It, so this is what is called an uh, an Ile single malt. So mm. it comes from the Isles around Scotland. So uh, a lot of that has a lot of peat that they use in their distilling. Mm-hmm. I thought you didn't like the peat. So normally I don't. You're right. The Lagavulin, honestly, the peaty flavor of this, it's not overpowering um, like a Laphroaig. Like a Laphroaig, it's it's basically like you're just drinking like distilled peat. That's it. That's all it is. There's nothing else. It's just peat moss. Sounds and you're so like, appetizing. oh my God, right? Uh, <laughs> you can just chew your way through it. <laughs> No, but this, uh, and I mean, a lot of like Scotch connoisseurs out there, they're like, oh, Laphroaig's one of the best. It's just not for me. Uh, but this one, it's it's much lighter on the peat flavor. It's definitely still there. You can taste it, but it's not overpowering. It doesn't take over your palate in any way. It's got this nice, like uh, a sweeter accent to it. So it just, it goes really smooth. It's really nice. It's one of those that even for those that feel like it's a little powerful, if you actually just add a few drops of water to it, mm-hmm. it actually kind of diminishes that power real, real simply. And it's just an easy scotch to drink. Awesome. And has anything new and exciting been going on for you since you were last on the show? Oh, man. Not really. No. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, pretty much, pretty much Avengers Infinity War. That was sure. the excitement of my my time, which, I mean, the only thing I'll say is it's an amazing movie. That's that's all I'll say. It's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. It was really good. But any, outside of that, no. Catching up on other TV shows. I'm currently fighting with networking things because I don't understand them, but <laughs> to, to be able to watch these shows at work, I need to understand them. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to crash course my way through networking things. Mm-hmm. It's not going well. So we'll see where that ends up. Okay. All right. Well, it's good to have you back on, James. Yeah. Good to be back. All right. Next up. 
He is our resident dinosaur, and he's holding up what looks like some sort of wrestling title belt. And that is my buddy, Mike Nelson. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good, brother. <laughs> and to explain that reference, Mike's Mike's name is Trex or T-Rex. That's right. On the interwebs. And that belt I'm holding up in Skype is a profile picture from, oh my God, years ago. (laughs) But I still have that title. It's the ECW World Heavyweight title. Okay. Well, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's all signed by a lot of wrestlers. And that's why I get them to sign is I got Teddy Long, uh, Harker Holly, Cody Rhodes, like before he became Cody Rhodes. So I'm I'm pretty happy with it. No, I, I will I will divulge right now. I know absolutely nothing about wrestling except for like the few times I played the wrestling game on the NES. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> I know that Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant were wrestlers before they did movies and stuff. That's about all. I know. It's a rumor. It's a rumor. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, so Mike, what's been going? I mean, it, I I think it's been I don't know. Maybe almost a year since the last time you were on the show. So what's been going on? Nothing much. I'm still doing my stand-in work with Jeffrey Wright. Uh, I mean, we just we finished Westworld. It's now season two <laughs> is going on. It's great. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> so fitting. Because <laughs> you do. You are the spitting image of Jeffrey Wright. It still shocks me that it's. I've watched him all my life, and it's now, as I'm 30 years old, him and I look exactly alike now. Well, yeah, it was so weird as I uh, watched um, Catching Fire, yeah. second Hunger Games movie, and all of a sudden they go to Beatty, and I'm like, that's, that's Mike. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> Everyone who saw that movie, I didn't watch it because I'm not a Hunger Games fan, but everyone who went to see that movie came came to me, Facebooked me. I had people at work telling me, it's like, Mike, when did you have time to do this movie? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I saw a picture of it, made it my profile picture. Even my mother got confused. She's like, I don't remember that costume. And I'm like, Mom, that's not me. <laughs> This story never gets old. It never it never does. So I milk it for everything it's worth. Right. So when West will post something on Facebook, I share it and try to give like a behind the scenes thing. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> One day I just want to meet him and we I just want to have all the fun with him. Right. So besides your stand-in work, has anything else been going on for you that you want to share? Uh, not much. Still doing the Twitch streaming. Really having fun with it. Uh, I actually, for the month of April, we did, I was doing a fundraiser for water.org. Uh, I saw Matt Damon and I, I want to say Gary White is, is the other guy's name. I keep forgetting it. But they are on the Daily Show talking about it. And then April was coming around. I'm like, I want to do something for April. And stuff was going on in my video game I'm playing to represent water. And I'm like, yeah, I'll raise money for water.org. So I had a donation goal of $300, which would supply water to six uh, to five families. Every $60 would actually help families get water. So I want, I want to help five families. I just did the tally of it, and we raised $480. So Excellent. we're actually helping four families. So I have to write that check tonight. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Yeah, so I'm really happy with it. Really happy with it. But that's, uh, oh, I started a new job. I'm now officially in IT. Oh, okay. Two months into it, and the whole building loves me. That's I'm, good. I guess I'm a guy, but it's, it's fun. It's really great. I play video games at work. Yeah. No, that's like my IT guy. 
(laughs) Which I can say because nobody knows where I work that listens to this podcast, but um, my IT guy, he watches TV shows, he, you know, he plays video games, he does all that, you know, between, like, you know, when he doesn't have stuff that's, you know, coming through that he needs to help with, you know, right away or whatever. Of course, I mean, I'm I'm just a guy that answers (laughs) the phone in my office, there's four of us, and I just answer the phone, and, but I've already done all my work for the week. I'm just waiting next week for when we have a big thing going on, and that's when more people will come up with their problems. But right now, I'm dead at work. I'm excellent. That's that's a wonderful problem to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My boss loves me for it. Okay. <laughs> well, Mike, it is great to have you back on the show. Feels good to be back. All right. And finally, it is one half, it is one head of the two-headed snake that is the American sci-fi classic track on uh, uh, Dragon Con. He is the greatest Manimal fan in the world, and that is Joe Crow. Yo, Joe, how are you doing? I am fabulous. That is the best introduction <laughs> I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. I, I have a confession. Okay. I know a lot about professional wrestling. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and a thing I have done since I was on the 42 cast last time is I'm a pro wrestling ring announcer now. Wow. Cool. It is the best. Wow. It's not my day job or anything, but (laughs) there is a federation here in Birmingham, Alabama, and I was running their social media, and I said, hey, I will help out and do whatever you want me to do. I'll put up the ring. I don't care. (laughs) And I ended up being the ring announcer, and it is so awesome. Well, that is cool that you get to, uh, you know, be involved with something that you love like that. It's, it's, it's just, it's, I, I watched it when I was a kid, probably like Mike, Mike, uh, uh did. Oh, yeah. And now I'm in the ring. It, it's, it's crazy. It, uh, like stepping into the ring the first time it, I, I didn't know what to do. I, and, and I was, and in, in not knowing what to do, I was in the middle of a crowd of people staring at me <laughs> and with not knowing what to do, but as Nathan knows, I I'm on the American Sci-Fi Classics track with Gary Mitchell, and so I do this kind of thing at Dragon Con and other places. And now I've added wrestling to the repertoire, and it's such geeky fun. So, will you be adding wrestling to the Sci-Fi Classics track? Hello. <laughs> Uh, whenever they, if they want to put wrestlers on the thing, I'll find a, I'll find a reason to do panels with them. No, no, I meant <laughs> you have the panelists wrestle each other for your amusement. Oh, one hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> oh, that could get really fun, really fast. <laughs> make it, make it two people who have really strong opinions about like, uh, like a movie or or something, and like. They have opposite opinions and then be like, all right, you two have to wrestle now to hash yeah. it out. <laughs> no, this is a terrific idea. It's happening. It's totally All happening. right. <laughs> I would always be going for a steel chair. <laughs> <laughs> Just credit me for it, Joe. I will. I all right. Will. Awesome. And Mike, uh, Mike, you can be the referee. Yay. <laughs> Or you can you can be one of the competitors, you know. Mike, that means you have to actually attend Dragon Con instead of just you know like providing videos for people at Dragon Con. 
<laughs> touche, sir. Touche. <laughs> so you actually live where you could go to Dragon Con easily. I am so envious of you. <laughs> yeah, but I went one day and I was ready to die. <laughs> I survived New York Comic Con and I walked the uh, from basically from Queens, taking subways all the way from Times Square to the Javats. Mm. That did not prepare me for one day of Dragon Con. <laughs> it wow. is a unique experience. I will give you that. Well, just just do what me and Gary Mitchell do. Just stay in our one room all the time. <laughs> That's it's true. It's a good strategy. Out to the bathroom. <laughs> we we send people to get us food. It works out great. Yeah, it's a good strategy because actually I spent about, I don't know, probably 60% of the time I was at Dragon Con at the Classics track. And really, what else in Dra- a Dragon Con do you need to see? That's where all the good panels are. Uh, Doctor Thank Who. You. <laughs> well, I mean, Dr. River Who Song was there. Br- no, no, I, I actually I spent the rest of my time at the British track. So, no, I, I totally <laughs> get you. <laughs> <laughs> 40, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right, well, Joe, it is so good to have you back on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And now it's time for Five Minute Controversy. Uh, So for those of you who are uh, new to the podcast or uh, haven't been listening for a while, the Five Minute Controversy replaced five questions uh, because five questions just kept going longer and longer and longer. So I decided one question and we only have five minutes to hash it out was a better way of sort of doing the same thing, loosening us up. So, for this week, what I wanted to talk about was an article that was written in the New York Times that kind of exploded all over Facebook, where the reviewer for Avengers Infinity War was critical of the fact that the movie was predicated on having watched other Marvel movies. (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) And so... You know, most of what I was seeing on Facebook were people basically that were upset that the person was critical of a movie that they loved. I think that there's a little more to the argument than that, but I just wanted to ask everybody on the panel right now, do you think it's a fair objection to say that a movie, even if it's a sequel, should introduce the character or the audience to the characters in a way that even if they're starting from you know that point that that they can get into it or do you think that it's okay for a movie to basically be like if you have not seen the previous movies you're out of luck go see those and then come back so um let's go james then joe then mike so this is what i file under the sucks to be you category mostly Mostly because, like, I'm, I'm one of those people, like, I mean, there's been very few instances in the films that I've seen that have been, like, a sequel-based film or a series-based film franchise where, like, I was like, oh, they should have explained that somehow in that movie so everybody could understand and get into it. I mean, for me, I always put it back to, like, that'd be like when they made Godfather Part 3, <laughs> like, 20 years after the other two movies, and then being like, oh, by the way... This is what happened exactly. Like, let's we're gonna spend like 20 minutes of the movie summarizing part one and part two just so you can play along and enjoy this. And like, I don't know. I don't. I I think if you know it's a series, and I don't think Marvel has ever made that a secret, and I don't think Marvel fans have made that a secret to the rest of the world. Like, every, 
if you're not a comic book fan, you should know at this point that there's these superhero movies and they all kind of tie in with each other a little bit. And if you missed the stoplight at some point to watch one of those movies, you done it to yourself and you should probably go do your own homework and not complain about it. Okay. Joe, what about you? What he said, partly, and also the writer of that thing can kiss my butt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Had he never heard of Marvel movies before? Had he never heard of superhero movies before? 9.5 out of 10 movies require no pre-existing preparation. You can just go into, you know, your standard lawyer movie or your rom-com not knowing anything. But this one chunk of movies, you have to do a little extra. And it's not like there's nothing on the internet that tells you anything. These aren't Broadway plays. These aren't impenetrable. <laughs> you know, this this is uh, the, the reviewer's job. As a person who has reviewed things, the reviewer's job is not to come into it saying, I don't know what this is, and I don't understand it. The reviewer's job is to provide a... I mean, from whatever the reviewer's perspective is, the reviewer's job has to be, you present your own opinion, but at the same time, you got to come into it with some education. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, I don't know what this is, and, and, and write 2,000 words about you don't know. Well, which is basically what this guy did. Yeah. So, I'm outraged. (laughs) All right, Mike, what about you? How does he feel about Star Wars? Seriously. (laughs) I mean, where's my back... Where's my backstory about where's this hair bun lady come from? Why is this guy not shaved and he's so tall? Where's come on? You've had ten years. This wasn't a secret <laughs> that something big was coming. As a standalone yep. movie, I will agree with the review. As a standalone movie, it is sh- it is horrible. But here's the deal: we've built this thing up for ten years. Marvel played the longest game that no one else has done this was this was an amazing achievement and for all of us who has spent the last 10 years watching them and then for the people who spent 10 days marathoning it from the people who spent 10 well i don't know how 10 hours would work but you Mm -hmm. know time travel we have built up to this moment not to have a horrible review for someone who was not prepared if you're going to complain that this is a horrible standalone movie, you have about, what, nine or so Star Wars films that you could go back to and realize that, yeah, those suck by themselves, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say, with this with this issue, I mean, I go back to, uh, I'm a huge Babylon 5 fan, and the number one criticism I often hear about Babylon 5 is, you have to watch all the episodes. I don't really think this is a bad thing. And I, and I kind of try to wrap my head around this concept of you have to watch all the episodes to understand what's going on and, and that it's a bad thing. Because, you know, yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to just be able to watch, you know, an hour of something and not have any kind of obligation, that's a bad thing. But, uh, you know, pretty much if I'm invested in a show, I watch them all anyway, whether it's a standalone show or a series. With a series, though, because each episode builds on the one before it, you get to you know the story builds and so you can get more drama you can get more payoff you know it's it 
can be more interesting, you know, and it's more exciting. The characters develop more, all that stuff. Whereas, you know, a lot of times standalone shows are a little more disappointing because they don't want to mess with things too much because they want people to just be able to dip in casually every once in a while. So there's not a lot of payoff. So, you know, Marvel's just doing it now with movies, which no one's had the ambition to do this long of a movie series before with this many films that are all interconnected. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I personally like it a lot. Now, the one thing that I... I I do have a knee-jerk reaction on is people who get are getting mad at the reviewer because it's just like, look, if he wants to be ignorant, let him be ignorant. <laughs> there are plenty of other reviewers that are saying that this movie is wonderful, you know, and so just don't give this guy any attention, you know, just just move along. So that's kind of my point of view on it is is don't don't fight the reviewer, you know, he you just let him be ignorant in his own little bubble there. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's that's basically what it is, is, you know, he doesn't want to have to work for anything. So, all right. So that is another five minute controversy. And even though, as always, it took it's a little bit longer than five minutes, it's still shorter than five questions. So, <laughs> so it did its job. All right. But OK, before we dive into our topic, let's pause for a moment for this promo from another fine podcast. We are the Metal Geeks Podcast, and on this show, we have heavy metal, comic books, video games, movies, theme parks, and more. Wait, wait, wait. Comics? Yep. And movies? Exactly. Video games? Yeah. Metal? Of course. How does theme parks fit in this? It just does. All of us Metal Geeks can be found at MetalGeeks.net. At Metal Geeks for Twitter. Metal Geeks on Instagram. And Metal Geeks on the Facey Space. You can also find us on iTunes. Subscribe today. Metal Geeks. And we're back. And like we talked about at the top of the show, we're going to talk about Black Lightning this week. And the first thing that uh, kind of strikes me about Black Lightning and the thing that I want to sort of open the floor for is that I follow all of the Berlanti superhero shows. I don't watch Riverdale, but I watch all the other, you know, Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, um, Legends of Tomorrow, all the ones that deal with superheroes. And the the thing that struck me the most about Black Lightning is how mature it is. And I don't mean that in the sense of, you know, lots of sex and, and gory violence or anything. I mean mature in the sense of the writing feels like adults are writing this. Whereas I sometimes have an issue with a lot of the other Berlanti series where... It feels almost, you know, it feels kitty, you know, I mean, and that can, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, the flashes and legends can be very, very fun shows, but it's a different flavor. I mean, it's definitely a very different flavor. It's definitely more on the silly side. And so I just wanted kind of you guys' opinions of, of Black Lightning. You know, did you get that same sort of vibe that this show is, is, you know, like the adults are in control now? You're, you are absolutely right. The, this writing is 
it really is mature is the best way to say compared to Arrow, compared to Supergirl. I mean, it, it's not campy. There's not one campy episode where it feels it just feels like it's dragging on or it feels like it's out of place. Like, I, I really it really is just mature writing. And I have to give the writing team credit on that. They've, they've done a fantastic job with that. Joe, what about you? No, I came into it expecting it to be similar in tone to the other DC Universe shows. Mm-hmm. And it's totally different. Now, granted, I don't believe that the same staff of people are constructing and, and writing Black Lightning as are the other shows. And it, and it shows to its credit. The, the fact that, well, it's the same kind of thing where, like, with the Marvel movies, you think, well, each, each movie is different. There's a heist movie. There's some, one of them, like Guardians, uh, is more of a comedy. With the DC shows on the CW, they were all kind of the same until Black Lightning. And that's a very good thing. They broke out of the box they were in with Black Lightning. Yeah, I mean, originally, when The Flash premiered and they suddenly had two shows, I used to say, you know, I like having The Flash and Arrow because it gave me two different flavors. You know, The Arrow was a lot more of a grounded show, it was darker, and The Flash was very upbeat. You know, it wasn't afraid of showing superpowers and that kind of stuff. And I was like, so, you know, I can, and they could cross over, so it's almost like having like a Superman and a Batman. You know, it's those two tones, you know, those two kinds of worlds, even though it's not those characters. But as time has worn on, sort of the lines between Arrow and the other CW shows have blurred a little bit. It's still the darkest of them, but it's still, it's becoming much more... You know, uh, it's becoming much less afraid of its comic book roots. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. And and it's becoming more tonally closer to the other ones. But yeah, I was just floored by Black Lightning um, because it's so different. Because yet, yeah, like you, Joe, I was expecting something you know very similar to what we'd seen before. So yeah, and and and, and like you said, to its credit, because I enjoy Black Lightning quite a bit. And, and James, what what do you think about all this? Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree on all those fronts. I think part because it threw me off initially. Like it was like I watched the first episode and I was expecting the same thing I've gotten with every other Berlanti series first episode kind of thing. And I was just so I was that's what I was prepared for. And that's not what I was getting. And I was really like questioning it. I was just like, I don't know about this series. I'm not sure where this is going to go. Yeah, yeah. It didn't begin with my name is Jefferson Pierce. So you already knew (laughs) something was messed up. Well, and I think I think part of what attributes like this is the way I I visualize this series at this point is I'm like, well, here's the thing. Like we're watching the other CW series. So we're watching Barry Allen as the Flash for the first time. This isn't like he's you know, he was the Flash years and years ago. And we're like 10 years in the future now. And like, oh, let's look at the Flash then. Or, you know, the same with Oliver Queen. We're not looking at like, oh, he was the arrow for, you know, like 10 years. And now we're, you know, looking at him having a retirement period and going back into it. And that's what we get with Black Lightning is we get a skip probably all of the campy, stupid stuff that he did (laughs) when he was a young hero. Right. And now we have the serious like I've matured. I've learned things. I have kids I care about and a family I want to keep and all of these other things and has just a lot more sense about him. Uh, Like he doesn't just bull rush head first into situations without taking that into account and being like, yeah, you know, I should care for that. Whereas, you know, we have Oliver who's, you know, I shoot arrows and ask questions later (laughs) and just hope that my relationships pan out. (laughs) 
Oh my god, I want the hug t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, Black Lightning, it, it yeah, it's exactly what you, what you said, because, I mean, they dropped this in the middle of it, and I was so surprised that they didn't even do, like, a flash, because at first I was like, okay, well, they're going to wait a few episodes, and then we're going to flashback, and we're going to see, like, the origin of Black Lightning, and we're going to see, <laughs> you know, like, his early days as a superhero, and they're going to do all this stuff, but they basically say, hey, we give our audience credit. If you're watching Black Lightning, you've probably watched at least one of the other shows. You know the whole superhero shtick. We don't need to do that anymore. Let's just fast forward you, you know, into in his life. That was one of the other things that made me like, like, where I was like, oh no, because they did like one flashback scene. Right. And I was like, oh God, is this going to be like two seasons of Arrow? Come on. <laughs> and then they were like, no, no. Like, we just did the one where he's like bleeding in a tub and his wife's like, I'm done. Right. This ends. I'm done. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and then that was it. And I was like, but, th- <laughs> but there's, are there more? There's got to be more than that. No? Okay, I'm good with this. We're good. <laughs> I mean, they showed a couple other very brief flashbacks. We flash back to him watching his father get killed. And right. then we flash back to, I guess, the first manifestation of his powers when the cop's trying to grab him and he, and he shocks him. Those poor cops. We also got a flashback of the original <laughs> costume, which thank you, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. No. But yeah, I mean, we should probably segue into uh, what I probably should have started with, which, what is Black Lightning? If you're listening to this and you have never watched the show, which I'm not sure why you're listening to this, but bravo for you for watching and listening to more 42 cats. <laughs> So, uh, Mike, why don't you describe to our listeners what Black Lightning is about? Black Lightning is a black superhero. His powers are lightning. (laughs) That's the best description ever. Thank you. Total segue. I want that on the DC wiki page. (laughs) Total segue. I was first uh, exposed to Black Lightning from the uh, SNL skit from, I think, 1991. Oh, my God. The funeral for Superman, (laughs) where Sinbad was playing Black Lightning. (laughs) No, no, I'm Black Lightning. Me and Superman, we tight. (laughs) And then he's just there to eat all the food at the funeral. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. But anyway. (laughs) Like I said, young Black Lightning, he didn't care about people. He was campy. (laughs) (laughs) But that's literally all my knowledge of Black Lightning. I actually, I came into, I knew Black Lightning character. Mm -hmm. I knew him from his one shots of just being like in the Justice League cartoon shows. Like he's just, he did a couple, yeah, a couple Mm -hmm. episodes with himself. But really, Black Lightning has never really made it to mainstream media. And I knew about his costume or his, his comic, but I never read it. No, I was I, I'm I like electricity powers, but Black Lightning was just a avenue of comics. That I just never found myself interested in. No. Well, in the TV show. So so, uh, Joe, in the TV show, can you describe Black Lightning a little bit more for the people who might be listening to this? I, I think you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he they they've constructed a whole backstory <laughs> that tells you more than most superheroes he ha- he holds down a job mm. for one thing he's in the education system and speaking as the husband of someone who is in the education system oh my gosh that's that's more difficult than being a uh, a billionaire in a mansion and it's more difficult probably than being a 
CSI, like The Flash, I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's more difficult. And so he has that, and he's a dad of mm. teenagers. Yeah. And as a someone who is also the dad of a teenager, I don't wish that on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. And unfortunately, unlike Black Lightning, I don't have electrical powers. I wish I did. But that's his whole jam. He uh, is a school principal. He has teen daughters and ex-wife. And they explain very clearly. He and his ex-wife get along, but she has a major issue with the Black Lightning stuff. But that's not a driver of the show. And in fact, she comes around because... And and uh, we'll we'll discuss more about that in, in a minute. But but yeah, it's um, that's really all 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 that you need. And mm-hmm. there is a there's an arch enemy, but he's not really the driving force behind all the bad guy stuff in the whole the whole season. Yeah, I will say one thing because you brought up both the fact that he's a principal and then he's a dad. The one issue that I had was having no had a friend when I was at school whose mom was a teacher. I know for a fact that they would not allow him. The school board would not allow his daughter to go to the school where he was a principal. Actually, yeah, yeah, that. that um... Yeah, I was like, that's a major conflict of interest. And even if he shows absolutely no favoritism to his daughter, people would think he was, you know. And so they would make sure they would have send her to the next school over or whatever because i had a friend and his mom was the art teacher in our school and they made her go to a different school because even just the fact that she was the art teacher they were like no you cannot be in the same school as your son yeah how dare you get privilege from your (laughs) art teacher (laughs) 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 yeah well my uh my wife is a librarian so uh, is the school librarian so when my when our daughter was in elementary school I guess they said, how dare she get free books? Like, like else did. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the dad aspect was the thing that I originally like really latched on to when I, when I saw the previews for the show was because as a dad myself, it's like, that's the thing you don't normally see. You don't see an older superhero with kids, you know, and even grown kids, you know, and I was like, this might be a little bit interesting. You know, this, this is a different take. This is something that I haven't seen yet in movies or anything. Cause even Ant-Man, he doesn't really live with his, you know, his daughter. She's, you know, he, he's away from her, you know? And so it was kind of nice. In the universe, Arrow is a terrible father. Yeah. Well, that's true. Well, that's just a recent thing though, for him to have his kid with yeah, that him. Is true. But, that but, wasn't from the, from the get go. Right. So yeah, I really, I really like that because I mean, it's basically I realized that because of what's been going on with Cosby, this isn't, this doesn't sound as good as it used to, but it's like having the Huxtables with superpowers, you know, because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like it's so feel good because you're watching these people and they're having problems and they're and they're having a tough time and you get it, but then at the end of the day, this family comes together you know and they take care of each other and they do all the right because in the beginning i was kind of mad at the wife the ex-wife because it seemed like she was kind of i don't know I, I just didn't like the whole you know uh you can't be black lightning and i'm gonna leave you and i'm like wait but you left the kids with him 
if you think, yeah. if you think that being black lightning is this horrible thing and that you know it might scar the kids and everything and you've stayed you've stayed away from him all this time when he wasn't being black lightning because you thought he was going to go back to doing it but you thought it was okay for the kids to stay with him <laughs> i don't know i just it seemed to me that there was something wrong there with her thinking but uh you know then she comes around and i'm like okay i'm good you know <laughs> i like this so yeah i i, I like the family aspect of it because i thought that was a, a new a new thing so i mean but what about you guys like uh, james i mean you're not a father but i mean did you like that sort of family aspect of it I did. And I think that's something like, uh, like I was, I was seeing in relation to, I think what they'd like to do with the Arrowverse, uh, they're just pulling it off terribly right now. But, um, <laughs> but I, I did, I did like what they, they did here with, because uh, the family aspect seemed to be their root. Like that was the foundation, mm-hmm. no matter what happens in the series, it always always comes right back to the family like every time there's a crisis um you know his you know essentially his father figure is always just like you have to protect your family jefferson you have to get them to safety like that's always like the first and foremost priority and things like that which is something so new to see in one of these series you know and and it's interesting to see how you know those family bonds are eventually grown over time by the end of the series where they all started where they've all come to um it you really get to see a journey that isn't always like just a light at the tunnel and i think it sheds like a really good light on the fact that no family is perfect like none of them like they every you know there's there's times that you know he's he's having a fight with his eldest or he's having a fight both literally and figuratively um (laughs) he's having a fight with you know his youngest he's fighting with his ex but he wants to you know still be with her and 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 have them be together and so there's like that constant what seems like a normal normal family dynamic of conflict that I don't think gets represented a lot in TV. It's either extreme one way or extreme the other without like a real representation of how I think your average family functions. And I think that was just really well done through the whole series. Yeah. The other CW shows when, when there's a, an emotional discussion, one of them will say to the other one, can we have the room? So the rest of the cast has to clear out. And then they have a, Stern talk. And there's none of that on Black Lightning. They Mm -hmm. just do it. They just say, okay, look, I'm going to yell at you for this next couple of minutes, and then we're going to be okay. (laughs) And it's just so different than than the other shows in that way. I also like what um, James was saying about... uh, them fighting uh, literally and figuratively because that time when he was fighting Anissa <laughs> and they're you know and it's, they don't even know who they are you know <laughs> I thought that that yeah. was the best <laughs> oh man because then it's like dad <laughs> yeah well and I remember like, like my exact feeling when like he steps into the room and like his daughter's there and they're like facing down I was like Oh, this is oh, this is bad. Right. This is really bad. Like, he's gonna, like either she's gonna really mess him up, or he's really gonna mess her up, and both of them are gonna feel real bad one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. I also like. Oh, do you know another thing that I really liked was um, they actually gave an explanation for why nobody knows who he is because you know his oh, mask yeah. only covers like it's like goggles in front of his eyes, and so it's like, well, that's not really you know a really good disguise. But they were just talking about in the first episode episode like when you look at his face it's like there's like an electrical aura around it that distorts it so even though they don't show that on the camera they explain that that's why people can't like identify him oh that budget yeah 
because he is he's like a prominent member in the community so you're like how is everybody not like you know yes that's a good jaw you that's a good beard you cannot hide i just don't get it i don't get it <laughs> oh man so one of the things that i discovered while reading wikipedia about the characters in this is that his wife is the sister of john stewart the green lantern Ooh. I am really excited about the possibility of Jon Stewart showing up in season two. I'll be okay with this. Yeah. (laughs) Hands down. Because so far we have not had a Berlanti version of the Green Lantern, even though they've teased him like many times. So yeah, it's something that I would like to see uh, them do. That's uh yeah th- that is a uh, larger discussion uh, for me and probably another episode of of forty two cast but I'm ready for if since everything got renewed I want more DC universe stuff mm-hmm. this seat on all the shows was kind of well except for Black Lightning which was a whole new chunk of things this whole season was just using what they already had yeah. but I, I think. I meant to go into this. I meant to mention this when we were talking about his comic book origins. But he was the 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 addition of the wife. Well, no, the wife was there. The addition of the kids was later mm. in his mm-hmm. in, in his in in his uh, creation. At first, he was just a very seventies Luke Cage streetwise type of cat. And and um, nothing wrong I read with that. A lot of, no, not at all. I, I read a lot of those. I read him um, the most. The one thing I remember about Black Lightning comics is, uh, and I think this may have been the first Black Lightning story I read, is he guest starred in the Justice League of America comic. And because the Justice League are a-holes, they, <laughs> they said, well, this guy looks cool, but let's haze him before <laughs> we invite him to the Justice League. And they decided to invent brand new superhero identities for themselves. This is the weird story, guys. <laughs> they decided to invent brand new superhero identities for themselves just to see what Black Lightning does when he meets them. I got and a bad well, feeling about this. He doesn't react well. And he fights all of them and says, look, you guys are being jerks. And then when he, and then they reveal that, hey, we're the Justice League. And he goes, and they say, hey, they say, hey, we're the Justice League. You want to join? And he goes, no. (laughs) You guys are buttholes. And he doesn't actually say butthole. It was the 70s. Um, But he and the and but the comic, the the cover of of that issue says, hey, do you hey Black Lightning, you want to join the JLA? And he goes with you jive turkeys in the JLA. Heck no! And that—that's Black Lightning to me, and always will be. Oh, but, now uh, see, now I want that Black Lightning on TV. <laughs> I was I the 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 one flashback to young Black Lightning in costume was now was that his original costume or was that his later Outsiders costume? Either way, it was cool, but. But the um, and then after that, the the addition of the teenage kids who had powers too. That was that. It, it, it's a great addition. It sets him apart because. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he was um, Lex Luthor's secretary of education when Lex was president. Huh. So the, that that didn't last very long because it's cooler for him to be a black black lightning. 
than that to just be some dude in the background. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm I'm excited for what else they do with everything in season two. Yeah. And and speaking of them sort of broadening the Berlanti universe and, and what they're playing with, does anyone feel like they have any strong thoughts about if this is a new Earth or if he's on one of the existing Earths? Uh, James, what about you? I don't know. Because okay. <laughs> um, part of me, I mean, part of me wants it to like ha- like to be just a new Earth with zero relation mm-hmm. to the rest of the verse, because I I don't I don't want it to be tainted. I don't want it to be, to be tainted <laughs> yeah, by yeah. the Flash's consistent, yeah, I'm just going to break time again. <laughs> or Oliver Queen's inability to, I don't know, do a lot of things. <laughs> I can't I can't summarize that list. It's too long. Well, <laughs> to me, here's the advantage. Be here all night. Here's the advantage <laughs> if it's another Earth, is that what they could do next season is they could give us three different Green Lanterns on three different Earths. I'd be all right with that. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. <laughs> If, if you can't tell, I really want to see the Green Lantern in the Berlantiverse. <laughs> You're not the only one. I've got a I've got a good friend of mine, Chris, who's like he's the same way. He's just like, but Green Lantern, and I'm like, <laughs> I get what you want, but Diggle is not a Green Lantern. You gotta let it go. Yeah, I never like the idea of Diggle being the Green Lantern, but you know they've already teased Ferris uh, Air Force Base in uh, in uh, in in the Earth One stuff. Uh, both Flash and Arrow has mentioned it, so they could do the Hal Jordan version of green lantern on either flash or arrow they could do the john stewart green lantern in black lightning and they could do like kyle in supergirl and so it'd be like hey three green lanterns <laughs> right right oh but yeah hey what what's what what really hurts for a green lantern fan is that they did vibe an elongated man first <laughs> what <laughs> that just stings yeah i can see i can see that well, yeah, because I mean, I the the problem I have is like if if they put it in the Arrowverse, like we we know what to expect from those series, and mm. I can't help but feel like it's gonna bleed over to some degree. And I'm not even sure I'm okay with like okay, so it is another Earth, but then somehow they uh, like the first people they're gonna run into obviously is gonna be you know Team Flash because you know Cisco just keeps handing out these wonderful little you know devices to be like, hey, you want to come to our Earth? Hey, here's one of our devices. Come to our <laughs> And so I'm just like, no, but but no, but let's not. Can we just not? I'd be okay with that. Because I do. I just I very much like the much more what seems like a much more serious tone to this as far as how it sets itself apart from those series. And I don't want to see it get like campy and ridiculous. So you don't want to see it as part of next year's crossover? No. <laughs> no i do not yeah I, you know i've thought i've put a lot of thought unless in- unless that crossover is black lightning shows up and jefferson goes y'all are some jive turkeys and leaves <laughs> then i'm good with it i'm good <laughs> Oh, I, w- I would so love that. But uh, yeah, you know, I thought a lot about this, about like what world this is, because it is all Berlanti productions. I don't think it can possibly be Earth One, because even though they have revealed that there was a Justice Society on Earth One, pretty much there were no superheroes that anyone knew about until The Flash. 
You know, he or or air, you know, if you want to count Oliver as a superhero, he he was a, you know, that's the first one. But Black Lightning, everyone in Freeland has known for 10 years about Black Lightning. So, you know, that that doesn't work. But I'm thinking it is possible he could be on Earth 19 with Kara because they talk about on the news reports that there are other superheroes in other communities. You know, we know from Supergirl that Superman at least has been around 10 years on her Earth. They love that number 10 in Berlanti. They do. Oh, I might have something to this. So so it is possible that she could be, that he could be in the same universe with Kara, you know, and she, he's just, you know, and the Freeland's just another, you know, place. And but so what, what were you saying, Mike? So we, now I do believe that this can't, I, I feel like Black Lightning cannot fit with the rest of the Arrowverse. And mm. the, the messaging with this show it conflicts with the messaging that the other shows, or even whatever message they well, try Well, yeah, because even saying it is supposed to be on Earth-19, can you imagine Kara showing up in an episode of Black Lightning? I mean, that would like, be cool. the tonal dichotomy between the two things. Is but like... I do, but for my bringing everything together, because I'm that kind of guy person, I do believe uh-huh. it is on on the Earth-Prime, but we know that Freeland, Black Lightning's been around for 10 years, but like Arrow and Flash, no one knew about them. You, you're right. But as we've seen in the show there's been a little bit of military mischief so possibly everything happening in freeland that deals with the uh, superhero aspect might have been blacked out mm, maybe but i mean but we had newscasters talking about black lightning so i i Those think we're local news yeah but yeah i think i think if something's been blacked out then they then you know no word gets out anywhere uh because local stuff you know say you're a traveler and you're there you see the local news and you drive to the next town and you're like hey do you hear about this black lightning Lightning guy. I mean, you know, I I, I don't know. I don't know how I don't know how big the shadow board conspiracy people are, but they seem pretty big. Yeah, internet yeah. big. They're Mark Zuckerberg is in it. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, let's talk about our villain. Let's talk about Tobias Whale. Um, or our main, I guess our main villain, I should say, even though he's not necessarily the most evil character in the in the series, as we'll we'll talk about. So, Joe, what did you think of Tobias? I like Lady Eve better. Hmm. That's I, fair. I thought that her 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 getting killed was too early. Hmm. I, I feel like it, I think it was the introduction of her when she's just messing around with that dude, and it turns out he's alive. <laughs> she was just funning, just just diddling the, just just messing around with some corpse. Turns out, oh, he's still alive. Yeah. And I thought, well, this lady is evil. And then, you know, she was only on a couple of episodes. But the when 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 they didn't with Tobias, when they didn't dwell so much on somehow he's immortal or you know not he's long, long lived. Other than that, it was fine. But th- that I don't I don't know why that stuck with me so much. I mean, yes, I like that they they had the connection between Lightning's father and adult Lightning, but it, it, something was totally disconnected to me with with that but now the the actor playing him is awesome the Mm -hmm. character the it's the details that bug me about tobias not the the actions and everything else well i think it's really cool that they went for an actual albino actor 
you know, to play the role. Because I looked it up, and, and the character in the comics is is albino also. And, you know, I mean, visually, that makes him look interesting. But, you know, also, like you say, that actor has such a great imposing presence. And he's so good at playing, like, the kind of, like, I'm powerful, and I don't care what anyone else thinks. You know, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And that, after what they did to Lady... After they, they got Lady Eve out of there, I thought, well... He, they're going to do something to him at the end. Like he's going to meet his fate at the end of the season, and then what? I mean, mm. uh, who's who's the villain going to be then? I was assuming, based on the other Arrowverse shows, that that's how it was going to be. But the fact that he survived at the end. Mm-hmm. It's yet another difference in Black Lightning and the other shows. Very, very t- top-notch villain. Top-notch. Mm. How about you, James? Any thoughts on uh, Tobias? I love Tobias. I I love the world of him. Mostly because he's he's such a long game villain. Like he he doesn't he's so well like thought out and methodical in the way he goes about things. Like he rarely acts brashly and we've seen moments where he kind of acts brashly and, and we see how like his plan doesn't always like come to um, it's full, the, the full circle he wanted it to come to if he does. Um, but it's really rare. Um, he's so calculated with everybody he interacts with. Like he knows exactly where he stands and he knows where he wants his desti- his destination to be. And he knows what, in his mind is necessary to get there. I think having a much more intellectual villain is always more stimulating for me rather than somebody who just has superpowers and they just do things and it just happens to pan out. I really like the fact that like, because he's not intellectual in the sense of, you know, what the Flash is doing with like the thinker Mm -hmm. or, you know, what the arrow's doing with that kerfuffle, (laughs) you know, so that's another podcast. (laughs) So it's, it's one of those things where he's not just a thug. He's been doing this for a while. He's already built quite an empire in villainy for himself, but he knows what he, you know, he knows where that his goal is still yet higher and he will do what he needs to, to make that happen. So it's, yeah, I, I think he's, I think he's brilliant. I think when he's brutal, he is absolutely brutal and he lets his subordinates know like he, I, I'm not to be trifled with. If you think you're going to get one over on me, you've got another thing coming. He's already thought 10 steps ahead of his subordinates so that they never get ahead of him or think or, or, or vie to take or really have a chance of taking that power. I shouldn't say they don't vie because they do, but it backfires in their face. So I think he's great. I mean, I think the other villains in this season are equally good, but he's the villain that's get you know, that that keeps on keeping on and he where I think we're going to see a lot more of him, man. I hope for a while. I hope he doesn't just fade in the, into the background uh, like so many other villains had. Mm-hmm. What about you, Mike thoughts about Tobias? <sighs> this guy, this <laughs> white dude, man, I tell you what, like I, so I'm not into, I, I'm half black and half white, but I am like a hundred percent white. There's, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> There is none. There is none. My sis- I have a sister. We're we're both mixed, and she got the black side. I got the white. We both agreed with this when we were in elementary school. We live with it. But I have never felt more black proud than watching the show. And I've ne- and while I'm by myself, I say the things that Tobias says. So I am a complete like Tobias and I are on the eye to eye level. Just <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't believe the words coming out of his mouth. Like I said that. <laughs> 
but not <laughs> so negative, more in a jokey manner. But damn, Tobias, you we're here. <laughs> and I connected with the villain so hard. I love him. He is like the <laughs> best. I-, I like that he's like sort of like this twisted mentor for Khalil. Where he's like yes! almost like trying to like tell Khalil like no you gotta act like this you know you shouldn't apologize for things and you know you shouldn't do this or that <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like he, he's like kind of like viewing Khalil as like a kid now he's like a like a horrible like you know abusive father but he kind of views <laughs> Khalil as a kid <laughs> as his kid so I thought that was uh, kind of interesting and, and and we're gonna get deep and just we're gonna get deep here right now because. When you look at Tobias, he, I mean, he's an albino. I mean, mm. he's technically, he's actually, if I, I might even be mistaken with albinism, because I've, I've seen a couple of them in high school, but I mean, they were black people, but they're just, they just got that skin disorder. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at him and when I see how he presents himself and where he's talking, he's talking down as he hates black people, but then he'll also try and nudge in a compliment about them too. It's it's like this sort of hate thing. And growing up, that was me because I always got judged by my skin. And the message that Tobias kept going with, I've connected so emotionally with because he hates his black side because he's 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 not one of them. But then he is one of them. But they're not accepted to us. Like it, he's on that crossroad that I was. And Tobias as a character like that was just fantastic to me. And I need everything he says like in a meme. <laughs> everything he says is great. You know, it's interesting that you said that because that's sort of that is definitely the impression that i got from him in the show was that because he you know looks white you know because you know it took me a couple you know they didn't mention that he was an albino until like four or five episodes in and at first i just thought he was i, I thought he just might be a like a really white brother i know i yeah i i, I was <laughs> i was a little confused about what what he you know what exactly ethnically he was <laughs> because his hair his hair is kind of reddish Right. And he's very pale. And I'm like, is he is he maybe like a mixed Irish or something like, you know, like, what is he? And so, yeah, you know, I thought that he was, you know, kind of was looking down on all the, you know, uh, the people of color. And then I realized he is one. But because he doesn't look. Like he's a person of color, you know. He, he that's that's where that weird dichotomy comes in. And I, I thought that was an interesting nuance um, that they put in there, and the fact that he was a politician before he was a criminal, mm-hmm. you know, was also an interesting touch for how he has this charisma. You know, he is a very magnetic sort of character, but he doesn't play it the way that most characters with charisma do. You know, he's not a Loki or somebody like that. You know, who's very much like, oh, I'm so great and wonderful. You know, he's. He's a very, you know, he's he's a very sort of, I don't know how you'd say it, but I mean, he's he's very, it's very much about the, his imposing, I guess being imposing with his charisma, um, which, which I liked about it, and I thought that was interesting. So, we haven't talked about Gamby yet. You know, Gamby is uh, almost a, a foster father for Jefferson. He took Jefferson in when uh, Jefferson's dad died uh, and, and helped raise him. Um, I, I don't think they ever say, did they say how old Jefferson was when his dad died? I can't remember if they did, but it, I think he was like. I can't remember. Yeah, he looked like he was like young teen or maybe like 11 or 12, you know, somewhere in that either 13, 11 through 13 kind of area. So Gamby uh, raised him for a little bit of his life. And but then we find out that Gamby was also complicit in the shady dealings that have been going down in Freeland with the ASA. And so that understandably caused some friction between him and Jefferson finding out that what his dad had been researching was something Gamby had been involved in and that it's kind of led to his father 
father's death and all those circumstances. So, uh, you know, it, it's funny because I liked Gamby a lot at first. You know, he's I, I always like the supporting guy who does the gadgets, right? You know, whether it's Q and James Bond or whatever, you know, and I love the fact that the tailor shop was the front. So there's a little bit of Garrick from DS9 thrown in there too, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> 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 I, I don't know. I just really like Gamby. And then, you know, all this stuff comes out that it's really like, oh, okay. So he's not just the humble tailor who's a techsmith. He's like, you know, a spy and, you know, he's been in some shady dealings and stuff. And, uh, but I, again, I like how that whole arc worked out, you know, because, you know, he didn't, what he, what he was doing was like just the tip of the iceberg and he didn't know what kind of shady stuff was going down and he changed as soon as he found out what was going down and so you know even though it took jefferson a long time to get there i like the fact that he eventually accepted what was going on and realized that everything that gamby's done since then has been an apology you know even though he never said it you know for for what he had done so i like that you know part of it and i liked again i i liked that it was a you know, we keep bringing up Arrow. Arrow keeps on doing these things that cause friction between characters that is that are ridiculous, right? Like, that if somebody <laughs> just spent, like, two seconds talking to each other, that they could, like, work through it. <laughs> but they just choose not to. Whereas, no, we'd rather hit each other. <laughs> Whereas this, what Gamby did, I can get why Jefferson would have some time that he needs to go through. But there's never a point where he was like, I'm going to have a slugfest with you right now, Gamby, you know, and just start, like, punching him or whatever. You know, they never had that kind of a conflict. Everybody leave the room. Right, everybody leave the room. (laughs) My favorite Oliver Queen thing, we are through. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sorry. Is Oliver Queen still in high school? That's what I feel like it is. That's what I feel like. Is. You know, the joke was, because, you know, that's the thing, like he said to his mom, you know, it was like, we are through. But the thing that, that I used to joke with was that whenever Oliver found out that he had a kid that his mom hid from him, is that he we were going to see him in the next episode at his mother's grave saying, we are so through, mom. <laughs> to her tombstone. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry for digressing there. What were you saying, James? <laughs> no, well, it's one of those things where, like, even even in the darkest moment where you feel like he could have gotten to that point, mm. or at, at the point where he's just like, no, I'm not talking to Gamby. I don't care what his problems are. They're his to deal with kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, in Gamby's darkest hour, like, there's still, like, again, that foundation of family. The fact that this is a man who, even though we find that Gamby did some really horrible things for this this you know <laughs> secret corporation and all that mm. he's still jefferson's family and jefferson knows that and like he still like goes out to help like find him and protect him and and help him even though he's still angry at him and i'm like that's the most adult response mm-hmm. to any situation i've ever had in my life where like outside of high school where i was just like you know what like, I'm mad at this person, but they need my help. I'll help them. I'm still mad. That hasn't changed. And they're going to understand that, but at least I'll help them. Right. Yeah, because you never got the feeling, like I said, that Jefferson was going to, like, hurt Gamby in any way. It was more like, he has hurt me so badly, I just want to, like, withdraw from him, you know, and have nothing to do yeah. with him. And he didn't need to slam a door and say, I hate you. You're not <laughs> my real dad. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! You're not my real dad. <laughs> I can see right? Oliver saying that to somebody. <laughs> I think he has said that to people before. <laughs> oh man! 
Jive turkey. (laughs) Jive turkey. (laughs) So, (laughs) Joe, what did you think of Gamby? Well, I just assumed because the actor who plays him, James Remar, plays the heavy on pretty much everything else. Mm. I assumed he was going to betray or he was going to secretly be the villain mm. of the show. That was my thought. Well, and yeah, and like when he's meeting with Lady Eve behind everybody's back and everything, it kind of sort of hints at that, doesn't it? Yeah, at, at first. And then I thought, okay, well, and, and having a dark secret is great. That was an extra nuance. That was like Giles on Buffy. That was on point for me. But then when it turns out, no, he actually is a good guy. I was shocked because that's not a path that they usually go down mm-hmm. <laughs> on shows like this. It's it's very uh, one thing or the other thing. But Gamby is Gamby has done awful things, but he's still a good guy. I I dig it. I dig that they. I, I what I said. What what going back to my original point was. I thought it was typecasting. Mm-hmm. Well, here here's James Remar playing another gangster, another underworld figure. You know, I thought that's just what he does. That's what he's done in, you know, 12 other crime shows. I thought, well, here we go again. Yeah. Totally not that. And so I I dig it. I I totally dug it. Yeah. Mike, what about you? Man, Gamby is something else. Yeah. I can't, like, I, I love the actor. And I think if you want like a strong father figure, I think we could. You, you chose a great actor to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. My only issue with Gamby is that uh, that costume is goddamn horrible. <laughs> you are a tailor, sir. I expect better. <laughs> this is your job. <laughs> what is this bulky Adam-like suit? Did you talk to Ray Palmer? <laughs> And, was, yeah. <laughs> the way they've explained it though is like he needs like some sort of like electronics and stuff to keep his powers like in check. So they're giving it a reason. Yeah, Black Lightning, he can absorb the electricity and shoot it out. So as the suit is basically an absorber, an absorbent. So I definitely get the mythology and the ideas behind it, but give me spandex all day long. <laughs> right. Like like we live, you know, in, we live uh, in a day and time where we can see, you know, uh, other heroes use nanotechnology to to do those things. I'm just saying, or or like, let's go way back, like way back, original Black Lightning, where it was like it was a belt, right. it was a belt, it was a that belt, was like the conduit, and it's just like that'd be so easy. You can put him in spandex, give him a belt that harnesses the powers. We're set. Yeah, but they're clearly, like like we talked about, they're clearly going for a more grounded approach with Black Lightning, at least in this first season. <laughs> so I think they didn't want to pull out, like, Superstar Labs tech that's, you know, probably 500 years beyond what's really going to be possible in the real world. So, you know. <laughs> but no, but the character Gamby is, uh, I did have that fear that it was going to be, oh, you're going to betray him. Oh, you did bad things in your past. And sure enough, that's what happened. But at the, at the end of the day, I'm still pro Gamby. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he didn't realize what they were doing. He thought he was just keeping track of all the kids with powers. He didn't mm-hmm. realize they were actually kidnapping them and shoving them in tubes, you know, and putting them on <laughs> ice. You know, and when he found out that that's what they were doing, he leaked the information to the press, you know, and, and started the whole process. So, I mean, everything he's done since he discovered that he was part of that operation has been an apology for that. 
You know, I mean, he's been trying to atone for what he's done. So, you know, I, I feel like I feel like saying like he was involved in shady stuff. I mean, yeah, he was, but it wasn't what he knew he was doing was not as bad as it really was. <laughs> you know, So to be fair to him. But yeah, no, but I, I mean, what's interesting, though, is like he's been protecting Jefferson behind Jefferson's back all this time, like making secret deals with Lady Eve that she keeps whale off of you know jefferson as long as jefferson only goes against certain kinds of crime or whatever you know like all these deals he's cutting and that's what i found was interesting is he's you know he's been playing this game this whole time and uh you know i i I liked that he's he's a he's a thinker too he's a character that's looking you know several steps ahead i always have a weird soft spot for manipulative characters so yeah well i mean it's it's what makes him very comparable to to Mr. Whale um, mm. in many, many ways. It's like Gamby's always playing the long game and like his intentions are good. It's just his execution and the means by which he's doing it <laughs> that get him into the trouble. But I mean, he, he does. He's so methodical. It's all well planned out. And like, I love every moment though that we see that where it's just like, oh, he shows up to this random guy that, you know, sells weapons to bad people and he's got him at shotgun point. How did he know where this guy is? We don't really know. We just know he had the technology to find him. And this guy had no idea he was coming. And it was like, this guy's a ninja. Like, what is <laughs> happening? Yep. We haven't talked much about the ASA other than, you know, what kind of what they were doing. And we had Proctor as the sort of character to, as the head of this operation the ASA was running. actor. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. I almost feel like, even though the ASA was definitely the most evil thing about this season, I felt like character-wise, Proctor didn't really stand up all that well because he was very much a one-note. I mean, they actually had him say, let's make America great again or something in one scene where I was like, okay, guys, this is the one point where your writing really is kind of taking a dive where it's like, we're going to make sure that this guy seems like the most awful person we can, you know. (laughs) It it, it totally works. Right. There's no subtlety about this guy at all. So, but yeah, I mean, he, there was, I don't know. I don't even know if he's worth talking about other than that. He's the head of the ASA. He's the guy that Gamby knew and was kind of causing the trouble. I don't know. Do you guys want to say anything more about that? Well, Unlike Tobias, and tying into what we just finished saying, Gamby handled it. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to worry about that dude anymore. And, and I love that. Yeah, well, I, I was actually a little more intrigued by the vice principal at the school oh, yeah. who turned out yeah. to be an ASA agent because I was wondering what her deal was the whole time. Cause you know, they kind of, they kind of kept lingering on her a little bit and she seemed like maybe she had a thing for Jefferson. And that's what I thought too. Yeah. Talk about a complete 180. Right. No, <laughs> well, remember though, she was very defensive of Jefferson when they were like, he's black lightning. And she's like, no, not Jefferson, you know, like, so I think she might be sweet on him anyway, but that was interesting. And, you know, she's still around. So I wonder what that's going to do for season two. They did the hologram thing. Now she's not convinced that he's black light. Right. And uh, that's another difference in the Arrowverse. Not many people know he's Black Lightning. Oh, thank God. I hate the fact that, like, secret identities have become such a joke. There was an episode of Flash uh, a week or two ago when Flash is talking to Meltdown, and he's just got his mask off. And I'm like, this guy had no idea who you were, Barry. Why are you just chatting with him with your mask off? You know? <laughs> anyway. 
<sighs> but yeah, I mean, the ASA, I mean, what they were doing, though, I mean, the whole idea of we're going to cause superpowers and then we're going to, like, try to harvest the people and we're going we're gonna to try to weaponize them. It was like, that is some really dark stuff you know um what's going on there and so uh i thought that that was a a very cool threat you know to have because it was something that was it's a good overarching plan that they can carry forward it's not and and they didn't wipe out all the people in the tube so this that they can be they can spread all those people out over however many seasons Mm mm-hmm But yeah, I mean, just the fact that this was, you know, what was going on in the background during all this other stuff that was going on in the early part of the season, you know, I thought that that was a good threat. It was a good thing for Jefferson to be involved in because he's like, he is a very street level. I mean, I I feel like I'm... (laughs) I feel like it's going to be awful to make this comparison on one sense, but it really is. He's like a Luke Cage kind of character or or a Matt Murdock or any of those street level like Netflix type characters is that's the kind of guy Jefferson Pierce is, you know, and he's the defender of this community. So to have his community basically being used as a farm, you know, and having people taken and turned into weapons. I mean, we saw how awesome of a principal he was, how he was like for that one kid, he waited like, you know, hours at the school and didn't leave so that he could like help like that kid you know and and give him like another path in life and everything it's like this is a guy that you that you see how invested he is and so i thought that that was the right kind of a problem you know something that was so steeped you know it had that super aspect to it super spy kind of stuff but it was you know something that was very deeply ingrained in the community so it was something that would really get jefferson angry and riled up against it so i thought that that was really interesting We talked about the family, but I feel like we need to spend a little bit of time talking about the daughters. Anissa and Jennifer? Jennifer, right? Jennifer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love Thunder, and I came around to Lightning. Mm -hmm. I love that they had totally different Mm storylines. Different tracks toward becoming superheroes. Thunder, super into it. Lightning, not so much. I I dug that. Well, I thought that Anissa created a nice dichotomy between Jefferson because Jefferson, like we already said, he's the more mature hero and he's not a reactionary. And like we even have the thing where they're doing the training exercise and there's the guy that's wearing the racist shirt and she like she like tries to to hurt him. And he's like, wait a minute. Right. Yeah, he's like, and Jefferson's like, wait a minute. You know, you can't do that because this guy is not an actual criminal. I hate, you know, what he stands for and what he's, what he's wearing here, but you can't do that. And so I like that because, you know, she's total reactionary, like, oh, there's a Confederate statue. I'm just going to smash this thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like the fact that they show that it caused collateral damage, too, though. Because it, it allowed her to, I think, think a little bit beyond just the emotional reaction she was having about it and about thinking more about, like, what her dad was trying to tell her about time and place, about, you know, the right force against the right problem and stuff like that. But, you know, she, she's a much more reactionary character, but I liked having that, that it was a dichotomy rather than it just being like, these are the angry black characters, you know, <laughs> and they're all going to be reactionary, you know, so I, I thought that they did a good job with that to show multiple points of view. And like you were saying, Joe, you know, Jennifer, she didn't want it, but I think that that's cool too, because you almost never, outside of X-Men, you never see the characters get the powers and be like, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and in this case, it isn't like mutants are a thing. 
And it's just like, well, mutants are hated, and that's why I don't want to be a mutant. She just doesn't want powers. You know, she that's not her thing. She doesn't want to do anything with them. They spread the... I mean, since, since we didn't get to see the arc of Jefferson becoming Black Lightning, mm-hmm. we did get to see from start to f- not not finish, but from 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 the from the beginning, we saw thunder and eventually lightning. Uh, I'm guessing we saw that from the start, mm-hmm. and I dug it because lightning not into it, and they really took time for her to establish. What does this say about me? I don't. I don't want to be like my dad and my sister. That was pretty awesome. The other thing that I thought was really interesting was that they opened up the question that I never feel like gets examined strongly enough, which is, what if I want to take away these powers? Because like in X-Men comics, it's always pretty stark. It's like, you want to take away these powers? You are a horrible person, you know, or that's who you are. But it's like, if you'd been growing up your whole life one way and suddenly discovered that you like catch things on fire when you touch them, and if it's your choice, you don't like that, you want to change it. How is that different from like wanting to dye your hair or change your eye color or any of the other things we can do? It's your choice to change it, right? It's your body, right? And so that's the thing. I feel like that never really gets examined. We, We saw that in this and it caused some real friction because Jefferson saw it as, you don't like this part of me that's in my daughter's, you know, and you're trying to take it away and the mom was very supportive of the whole idea of hey honey if you don't want this then sure you should be able to change it about yourself and so i I like that they had that because i'm not sure what's the right answer you know on things like that but i like the fact that i can see both sides and i like that they had it they i think they had the issue in there i love thunder i liked that they play her as an inspiration Mm. and she plays being a superhero as awesome. She digs it and she sees that she makes a difference. And the scenes with her, the fights scenes are cathartic and <laughs> joyful even. So all of that, I, she had none of the drawbacks that, uh, cause uh, with, with black lightning, there were some parts like the, uh, the, the, that, um, using his lightning powers hurts him. Mm-hmm. You know that they, they they there's some of that to Black Lightning Thunder. It's all good. You know she digs it, and and it's like being Thunder is cool to her mm-hmm. and to other people. So I I, I loved all that. I liked her fighting with her dad, like not when they're fighting each other, although I like that too. But I mean, when they're <laughs> out together, because their powers complement each other so well, where she's oh, like yeah, the physical, yeah. she's like the very physical side, and he's got like the energy manipulation. So he's he's firing long blasts while she's attacking things close up, or one of them's protecting the other one because he can throw up the force field while she's fighting, or she can do the thing where she breathes in and then she's invulnerable. I liked her fight with um, Whale's assassin, whose name escapes me at the moment. Cyanide. Yeah, Cyanide. Because I like the fact that Cyanide was smart enough that, you know, after she's fighting her for a while, she notices that, oh, when she's tough, she's holding her breath, you know, and, and she goes for that. But so I guess she does have a weakness in that she can't sustain that. Yep. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, I mean, doesn't really have much of a weakness while she's doing it. <laughs> I mean, that's, no. <laughs> she pretty much is an unstoppable force as long as she can hold her she breath. She definitely needs to be a, uh, a synchronized swimmer at that point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, as someone 
with a sibling who really is the complete opposite of me, it, it was humbling to, <laughs> to watch that side of it mm. to, to, from the outside, I should say. Because I, def- I would definitely be more of the Anissa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I was more of the straight-laced, I'll be definitely down for superhero powers. Maybe not much of the protesting. I, I protest, but from the safety of not doing that stuff. <laughs> but my sister is definitely Jennifer. Just on her phone, she does not want to do it completely in her own world, and devoured of every source of responsibility on her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, Jennifer, <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. I think Jennifer is probably a very real kind of person. It's just those are the kind of people I didn't really like that much when I was that age. <laughs> I didn't like the people who, like, didn't keep with things and were kind of flighty and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I feel like doing this today. Oh, I feel like doing that. You know, I mean, so I, I get it, you know. And yeah. like I said, I like the fact that, you know, for once we see that in a, in a non, like, mutant kind of thing where it's just like, I, I don't want powers, you know, <laughs> but. Yeah, and then and just Jennifer's relationship with Khalil was god man khalil was was is an inspiration to good guys to get a good cute girl just damn it (laughs) (laughs) well i gotta say i mean i kind of got i mean he he went a little too overboard and you know that's whale's influence but you know i kind of got why he was kind of upset with her because she kind of treated him like dirt after he got his injury (laughs) oh hold on oh no hold on i'm about to i'm about to Mm. Oh. <laughs> Hold on, let me get my weave out. <laughs> so I had to Hold watch. Hold the ring. Hold the ring. <laughs> I had to watch this. I kind of had to watch it twice. Uh, mm-hmm. There were a couple episodes I missed, and it was the and it was that scene in the apartment where she where Khalil made the comment on whatever social media and basically blasted her. Right. She she was there. She was there as much as she could, and. You can't, as a person trying to be as supportive as you can for a loved one, it's it's a it's a fifty fifty. I can't go completely a hundred percent if, or even ninety percent if you're not willing to at least give one. I you you're gonna and he was he was he was in a spot where I completely understand and respect. It was depression. He he, go, he went through every every stage of grief and. It was the anger that got the best of him in that moment. But I'm definitely not going to put... And, you know, as Jennifer, when I first saw her and he got injured, my first instinct was, oh, she's going to leave that dude. Uh, she, she ain't right. Did you miss, she ain't did right. you miss her saying, like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to stay with Khalil because I kind of want to dance. You know, did you miss that part? I mean, I know he didn't I, hear that. But, like... I, I missed that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, I can't remember who she was talking to. Was it Anissa? What, what? But yeah, she was basically like, you know, basically saying like, well, he's no good now that he's like, you know, injured, you know, kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I felt like Khalil was probably getting a little bit of that from, I get that she was physically present at the hospital, you know, and was there, but I don't know. I think that people with body language and stuff can kind of tell when you're kind of like, uh, I don't know if you're good enough for me now, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I did not... I, I did, mm, when she was like, oh, you know, it's it's kind of like he's kind of ruined now that he's, you know, injured. I was just kind of like, <sighs> I'm not a... Okay, so I might have missed, like, something yeah. really key. But, <laughs> I'm, I, I mean, she, I will give her credit that she at least went to confront him about this and tried well, to... Well, yeah, and, and I get it. I mean, he what he did was not right either. I mean, if he had yep. an issue with her, he should have said something to her rather than posting on social media and again i mean that's not what my people do (laughs) (laughs) 
Or, I'm sorry, that's not what half my people do. <laughs> oh man. We we definitely call out Becky's. Uh, we do. So 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 James, the you know, Anissa and Jennifer, what what were your thoughts on them? I mean, I like them as characters both. Like I think they are well established as like their own individuals. Like they're they're very unique from one another. And you can definitely see like when it's important, like when they come together, they're totally sisters and they're totally there for each other and everything. But like, once again, we come back to that family foundation of like, they fight like sisters do or really like any sibling does. Like, I mean, I've got a younger sister and yeah, no, there were many instances where I was like, I feel like I've had that exact same conversation. (laughs) Um, But I did appreciate the fact that, like, you know, the older sibling, like, and it was such a great influence of, yet again, those differences between the two of them where, you know, the the elder is just like, you know, she's got these powers and she goes way out of her way of, like, I need to understand this. I need to figure out how to control it. Like, without talking to anybody, it's just like, like, I'm embracing this 100%. This is a blessing that I can use for the means in which I think it's, it's purposeful. And then, yeah, you know, her sister, the opposite end of the spectrum of, like, I just want to be normal. I want to have a normal life. I want to meet someone. I want to get married. I want to have kids. And I don't want to have to worry about any of this ever being a problem or or having to hide this as a secret part of myself forever. And those were all things like I could respect for that character. Because like you said, I don't think that's something that they explore a whole lot in comics. It's It's one of the biggest gripes I have with a certain Superman movie <laughs> where they kind of go there and then they don't. And then it's just like, Nope, that's what I am. And it's like, Oh, great. Cool. We just went with the same trope ever. And the fact that her coming around to acceptance of it, I mean, it really comes up to the very bitter end where like it's ride or die. Like everybody's putting in their bit. There's a good chance, you know, dad's not going to make it. Mom's not going to make it. Older sister maybe isn't going to make it. She comes to this acceptance like we're a family. This is what we do. And I thought that was just so I thought it was so indicative of how family in the end, no matter what your differences are, we we still as family will come together kind of thing. I thought that was just so well done. So I I really like their individuality. I really like that they are very different people and there was never a forced like oh i'll just accept it like we've seen (laughs) in a certain other series where it's just like hey i'm defending this city because it's failed and then you know little sister's like i'll help and it's just like but no please don't (laughs) we just not So, yeah, I mean, I know I keep railing on that, but it's it it is just it's those it's those differences that make such a huge difference in the way the storytelling is done in this. And and it makes each of those characters unique in their own right. They're not just running in the shadow of their father. They're not just running in the shadow of another hero anywhere else. You know, they're not just some subordinate under Gamby as well. Like there there's none of that everybody is unique they've all got their own problems and it's just it's so refreshing like i'll just keep coming back to it's refreshing like it's so new and i love it yeah i i I, and well here's the thing i'm not sure jennifer's all in i think just in that situation when it was like we have to be all in because it's life or death for all of us that she was you know that she was she was in i mean we'll see next season but i don't think that she's you know, I, I'm not sure that she's going to be like suiting up and going out with the or her sister and her father, you know, uh, anytime soon. But we'll see. And we've apparently lost Joe. <laughs> Which dang it, Joe! Yeah, dang it, Joe! 
probably because Barry's messing with the timeline. Friggin' Barry. <laughs> I, can, I can find a logical path in any DC conversation as to why something is Barry Allen's fault. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably not hard, really. <laughs> All right, so, um, so, 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 Mike, and, and I, I should probably give full disclosure. You already gave full disclosure. I'm going to give full disclosure. I am mm-hmm. Whitey McWhite stuff. I am. Yeah. If there is a white like center to the universe, I am as close to that as possible. <laughs> Bro, we 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 right here eye to eye. <laughs> I mean, I'm There's only no black color. from the waist hey, down, but that's the whole you, you thing. You at least have some color genetically, okay? I got no color anywhere, okay? <laughs> it's not even my genes. It's nowhere. Not in the culture, whatever. I absolutely love that we are living in a time when we've got Luke Cage being awesome and popular on Netflix. We got Black Panther being awesome and popular in the movies. And we now have Black Lightning being awesome and popular on network TV. So, Mike, we'll start with you. Do you do you think that we're like finally like reaching a time when this is going to be normal? That, you know, we're going to see people of color now in these properties and moving forward? I do agree. I think so. To be fair, I knew about Black Panther. I knew about Luke Cage. I knew about Black Panther or Black uh, Black Lightning. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I knew about them, but I didn't read them. I had no interest in them. It might have just been a color thing to me back in the day, but it, I just had no care whatsoever. But now seeing it now in the new media that every other hero got, I have a much more appreciation for Luke Cage. For Panther, for Lightning, much more so than I'm like, I am I'm in on the mythos. I knew about them. I've now learned much more, and I'm spending more of my time getting to know these characters because of this new media that if we would have had this a long time ago, we wouldn't have had Meteor Man. <laughs> That's true. Thanks, yeah, yes, thanks. Meteor Man. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> But Meteor uh, Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Blank Man, though. I'll take Blank Man. I have to say, 2017, 2018, these have been the best years, really, for black superheroes, especially for black kids, for black, for black people. It's awesome. I've It was Black Panther. I got closer to my African roots somehow, and I don't know why. I walked out ready just to put on the Shiki and ready to rock it. Black Lightning, I now look back at my childhood because i i went to a black dominant school i went to a school with gangs i was threatened by them it was in my society it was everywhere mm. and looking at black lightning i go back at my childhood it's it's just a whole nother level i can't even explain it. like i connect so much with this show and if they took out the superhero part it would still be a phenomenal show mm. and that's what I think Arrow season one wanted to do. They wanted to do a superhero show and focus on the story. And then, oh, he's also a superhero. But of course it didn't work. And so then all of a sudden season two, they finally got it right. Just like Gotham. They were like, okay, fine. We're going to absorb all this crap. And here's superheroes. And it's been season two. Arrow, amazing. Best one out of all the six seasons. Flash, season one, still the best. They absorbed that superhero. Black Lightning is taking black culture black stories and making it dominant and then oh by the way he's also a superhero black lightning has done 
what Berlanti wanted to do with Arrow, and it's just out the park with the show, mm. and I love it so much. Well, what I'm really loving about this, and, and James, I don't want to step on your toes too much, I definitely want to hear your opinion on this, but what I'm loving about this is is all three of those characters that I mentioned, they're all very positive role model type characters luke cage he just wants to do the right thing he just wants to keep his head down be a nice guy do unto others as they do unto him and he just keeps on landing and crap like every (laughs) everything he does you know bad stuff just follows him around and he's stuck and it's just like i'm gonna have to use these superpowers again to you know (laughs) fix some stuff and you know you got black panther and again it's all about you know changing the world changing entrenched ideas changing you know things for the better and then we got black lightning which is again it's the same idea but on a smaller scale this is just one community but again it's about a guy it's like let's be transformational you know let's be inspirational let's you know show people that there's a better way than the way that we've been going and you know i love that i I love all these i mean these are the shows that are getting you know because superman sure as heck isn't hopeful anymore in the movies you know (laughs) so this is the media that's giving us those positive super positive like inspirational kinds of characters you know that that we've been missing for a while um james what what do you what do you think about you know the popularity in just the last few years of these black superhero characters i think it's so refreshing i really do i mean i come so i come from the whitest of white lands (laughs) i come from montana and i think the percentage of black people there is like five percent of the entire state Mm. And I, I can honestly say, I don't know where any of those people are because I've never seen anybody of color in Montana in the 20 years I lived there, which is terrifying. Uh, but like I moved to Washington just like five years ago and my eyes have been opened up to so many things that I never experienced in Montana and have been so welcome. Like I've, I've come to a new understanding of like how important representation is how important culture is and that, you know, how important it is that it's represented by those people and not appropriated and things like that. These are all things that, man, if I still lived in Montana, I'd almost have no idea even existed because (laughs) it's just not something that's ever talked about. You know, it's like, well, we moved like a hundred head of cattle the other day. And uh, yeah, that was pretty much the day. It's just like, great, cool. Awesome. We don't talk about anything fun. Um, so, so I mean, I think it's been so good to see that. Like Black Panther, Black Panther was such a great, like it was such a great bolster into the cinematic universe of superheroes that I was just like, I don't need any other superhero right now. I really don't. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Tony Stark and I like the all you know the entire cast of the Avengers and all of these characters are fun and they're great. This character means business. This character gets it done in such a way that explains so many things about the world we live in. And that movie tackled so many different like political things, but not in a way that came across offensive. Like it was just to the point and it was just there. And it was just like, hey, guess what? This is and, and, and this is our hero. This is our champion who is also growing to understand these things coming from somewhere where the issues we're having in you know the United States aren't necessarily issues they're having in Africa. Um, so I thought it was a really great melding there. I think Luke Cage. Oh, Luke Cage. I don't need another Marvel Netflix series outside of Luke Cage other than maybe Jessica Jones. Because. <laughs> 
I feel like Luke Cage just, once again, it just hits so many things right on the head. I mean, even when you see him in The Defenders, there's that very, it's a very uh, central moment he has. (laughs) Oh, with Danny Rand. And it's that moment where Danny's like, you know, he's beating up these guys and they're, they're black guys that are just they're they're doing work. I mean, for them, that's all it is. They don't know what they under they, like. They don't know that it's like for a bad guy. They don't know that it's for some evil organization. It's like I'm doing this because it makes the money that pays my bills. And there's that pivotal moment where Luke's just like, listen, these guys aren't like like you don't need to to super hurt them or harm them or kill them or anything. This is just this is how they they survive. This is how they make do for their families. And you need to understand that as somebody who came from having a silver spoon in your mouth. And I was just like, that's that's so interesting that like we just have that moment where he lays it down. And I was like, could Luke Cage just talk smarts into Danny Rand at any given <laughs> time? Because he doesn't have a lot of those in general. We're, we're going to get that in season two of Luke Cage. Right? Oh, so good. <laughs> and so, I mean, to, to add Black Lightning to the roster there, it's just, once again, it, it just brings... I love the fact that, first and foremost, we see him from the beginning as an educator and as somebody who is the principal of this predominantly Black school, and he's telling these kids, you know, there's a life outside for you if you choose to make the life you want to have. You don't have to li- you don't have to be in a gang. You don't have to do something, you know, uh, lascivious on a corner that's, you know, peddling drugs or, you know, selling yourself. You don't have to do these things. You just have to make the right choices. And to see like him representing those kids and influencing them in that in such a beautiful way is just it's inspiring. And I think that's what makes that's what makes the series outside of the family notion so endearing to me. Is I'm like, he's not just a like he's he's every aspect of a hero I could want. Like he's a hero in his mundane I work a nine to five job and he's a hero at night. Like it's not just like, oh, I finished my nine to five, then I become a hero for something. And I like that a lot. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And you know, and like you say, it's you know, I mean, representation is another thing you brought up, and that's, you know, another part of this is that there's no reason why we shouldn't have black characters and black actors, you know, in these roles, in these inspirational roles that used to be monolithically white, you know, so it's good. It's good to have that now be the new, the, you know, the new wave because it does create a touchstone for people of color, you know, who are watching this that, you know, maybe a Superman. Well, we have the Tyler Hoechlin Superman, but he's not on that often. If we had an inspirational Superman right now, <laughs> you know, he might not, he might not create that kind of touchstone because, you know, he is a different color and, and you hear the reports all the time. You see the things in the media where people talk about it of when they see a character who looks like them, that's doing the heroic stuff that matters a whole lot more. And, you know, I mean, coming from the background I did probably not too different from yours, James, it's kind of like, it took me a while to understand that it was that important you know but you know that that's the reality of things i mean it it makes people feel better to see people who look like them on screen so yeah totally would like to see more of that and frankly because it does show different aspects of culture it just makes things more interesting anyway i mean like the afrofuturism of black panther you know i've never seen anything like that before on, on tv or in movies or anything you know that kind of stuff is is, is really cool so definitely want uh, more of those kinds of stories 
So uh, let's uh, get to wrapping up. Uh, just for people who are curious listening to this episode, Joe uh, was on his phone, Skype on his phone, and his phone ran out of power, which is why we lost Joe. So <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, then uh, let's just wrap out here. But if there's anything more that you wanted to say about Black Panther, um, <sighs> Black Lightning. <laughs> sorry, we we're talking about all, <laughs> yeah, all the different media. Uh, if anything you wanted to say about Black Lightning or uh, and anything that you'd like to see in season two, give that as a shout out and then just let people know where they can find you. So, Mike, let's start with you. Uh, I do appreciate the very last episode that Tobias Wells just started giving everybody their superhero names. Yeah. Super villain names, whatever. That was amazing. Thank you for that. Uh, but you can, of course, find me over on the Twitter at Trex or over on my Twitch streams or at twitch.tv slash Trexlight. Watch Black Lightning. It was amazing. Powerful messages. And for the white people, you'll learn. For the black people, you'll you'll have hope. All right. And James, uh, say anything you wanted to say about Black Lightning if we didn't get to it. And uh, then let people know where they can find you. Man, I don't have anything else. Well, I mean, fun. I'm sure I do. And I'll think of it later. <laughs> but, you know. Right. No, it's fantastic. And I, I agree wholeheartedly with Mike. Like, watch this. Like, I don't care who you are. Just watch it. It's it's solid as a TV series. You can find me on the Twitterverse at Roman on the Rocks. Um, you can also uh, look at my website, www.romanontherocks.com, Facebook, Roman on the Rocks. It's pretty much Roman on the Rocks wherever you want to look on the webverse. All right. And for me, the thing that I'm going to say that I want in season two is Jon Stewart, Green Lantern. I don't care how you do it. I don't care who you cast. <laughs> I want Jon Stewart to show up and just have, you know, Uncle John, whatever you want to call him, you know, just show up there and, and be like, oh, uh, you know, I can help you out because I've got this power ring here. You know? <laughs> Make it happen. Make it happen. <laughs> but uh, James and Mike, thank you so much for being on the show today. No yeah. problem. Loved it. And that's it for our Black Lightning episode. I want to thank Joe Crow for joining us. And Joe, I'm really sorry that you couldn't stick with us to the end, but uh, it was definitely great having you on. We'd love to have you back on the show. I hope that all of you listening at home or, well, I guess wherever you're listening, have enjoyed the episode too, but you can let us know that in a variety of ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. You can go to our website at 42cast.com and leave us a message on any of the topics. You can tweet to us at at 42cast, or you can go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. Those are really helpful to any podcast, and so I'd really appreciate it if you guys would leave reviews if you haven't already. I'd prefer a five-star, but be honest and give whatever you uh, feel like giving. I always hate it when people are like, give us five stars. Like, you know, you shouldn't be honest. But yeah, so just give us a review. Uh, that way, uh, iTunes, the more reviews that I get, the more likely they are to suggest my podcast to others. So that would be a real big help. One thing I do want everybody to know is that I have an episode up on the ESO Patreon, finally. Uh, yes, it is the Countdown to Infinity War panel from Chicago TARDIS 2017. So even though Infinity War has already come and gone, it was a really fun panel that I did uh, where we just kind of talked about what where we thought things were heading. Uh, this was recorded in November, so it was before Black Panther had come out either. But we don't really dwell too much on Black Panther because we knew it probably wasn't going to have a huge bearing on the macro story of Infinity you are so you can listen to that panel by going to the eso patreon and giving a contribution and uh it also gives you access to all the other extra episodes that the various eso podcasts uh have contributed and gives you access to a bunch of other things a bunch of other extras that the network is putting on and those funds will go to keeping the different podcasts of the eso network on the air so definitely uh look into that 
One other thing I wanted everybody to know is that this year, this coming year, 2019, I will be at DragonCon. Uh, yes, I've already purchased a membership for myself and my family, and so we are going to be there. So watch this space because um, I'll let everybody know what panels I'm going to be on, things I'm going to do, and it would be great to meet some of the people that are listening to the 42 cast at the con. So that wraps things for this week, but join us back next week as Tom Cavanaugh will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You've been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2018. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by Fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.